This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Over 156 episodes of this podcast, we've covered a lot about markets, technology, promotions, research, and several other topics. We have not shared much information about the policies and regulations that impact our industry. The reason for that is probably obvious. This is the USHBC's podcast, and as a checkoff program, the USHBC is not permitted to be involved with any sort of influencing of policy in any way. That's the role of another organization, the North American Blueberry Council, or NABC, as many of you know it. Uh, But keeping up with the news and information about policy is really important to the business of blueberries and specifically for USHBC as well. So in today's episode, we will share some of the fact-based educational information about legislation and regulation and policies that surround them. But I'm very pleased to be joined today by NABC's Director of Government Affairs, Alyssa Halpy. Alyssa joined NABC back in February. Prior to Blueberry, she had been serving as the Senior Director of Federal Affairs for California Citrus Mutual, where she worked for 11 years. In this newly created role of Government Affairs Director, Alyssa leads the NABC's advocacy efforts and works closely with Monument Advocacy, the D.C.-based lobbying firm that NABC works with. Now, to be clear, Alyssa is a 100% employee of NABC. Her advocacy responsibilities are things that the USHBC steers clear of for the reasons I mentioned earlier. And since this is a USHBC podcast, we are not here to talk about advocacy, but instead to just get a report from her about the perspectives that she has and the happenings in D.C. that are relevant for those of us in the blueberry industry. So, Alyssa, thank you for joining me on the business of blueberries. Thank you, Casey. It's great to be here. Well, I know that was a a kind of a big introduction because I want to make sure that obviously those that know my role, I'm a I'm a split time employee. I work in part for NABC and certainly president of both. And 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 a large part of my job is with USHBC. Um, But I wanted to introduce you on the podcast. I think obviously many in the industry are aware of the work you're doing for NABC, but give you a chance to introduce yourself to the blueberry industry. You've been with NABC now for nine months, but since it is the first time we've had a chance to have you on the podcast, why don't you just give us, our audience, a little bit of background of what led you to blueberries? Sure, I'd be happy to. So as you said, I, I started my career in the California citrus industry. I worked for California Citrus Mutual for just over 11 years. I started there straight out of college. I studied agricultural business at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, born and raised in California. Didn't uh, steer too far from home and coming over to the Central Valley and starting my career in citrus. I worked uh, a number of different roles in that organization. Um, And that organization, just for some context, is not dissimilar to North American Blueberry Council. It's really uh, oriented towards serving the grower um, in the advocacy space. So it was a natural transition coming over to here to blueberries after a a long tenure in the California citrus industry. And it's been a joy to get to know 
uh, the growers in this industry and to expand uh, my reach, so to speak, to the rest of the country versus my previous role was strictly in California. Yeah, well, and it certainly has seemed, I mean, it's amazing to think that you've just been here this many months because you've jumped right in. Uh, you've been doing a lot quickly with what you're responsible for. And I think, you know, obviously for those that are uh, part of our uh, NABC program are probably very familiar with seeing your emails and your presence and your leadership in that space. And so I, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, the, the nuances of what you're seeing, you know, similarly or differently between blueberries and citrus. Sure. I mean, obviously, they're both specialty crops. So the the interests um, are not not that different, uh, especially when we look towards the farm bill, the the interest of the the citrus industry are really similar to the interest of the blueberry industry and probably every other specialty crop commodity uh, that we have. It, it really boils down to better tools to enable growers to be sustainable, to be profitable, um, and to continue farming. There's a lot of challenges that that all especially crop producers face that are unique to um, our counterparts in in the row crop industry, like corn or soybean. We have a lot of unique challenges, but uh, together as a specialty crop sector, I think we're really powerful in delivering those programs and resources back to the grower at the farm level. And that has just required a lot of coalition work. And I think we'll get into that in this podcast, too. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about your role at NABC and your priorities in this current position. Yeah. So as you said, this uh, role is new to the North American Blueberry Council. I think it's long overdue. Uh, this industry is is large, it's growing. Um, and with that, we have a lot of challenges that we're, we're faced with, and that really requires a, a strong government advocacy program. Um, my, my goal for this new role and what we're creating here at NABC is to be the voice of the blueberry grower in Washington, D.C., advocating, educating our members of Congress and the administration on what this industry needs to thrive. Absolutely. Well, and I know one of those things that everybody looks to in terms of ability to thrive and, you know, it's not just specialty crops, it's it's all of agriculture is the farm bill. And uh, that, I think, is the spirit at which, you know, it'd be great to have a conversation here for those who are in our audience to understand, you know, its relationship to blueberries, the specialty crop industry, certainly all of agriculture, and that there's one that has been pending, you know, approval. There's been a whole process that uh, I'm sure you can talk a little bit more about in terms of work that's been being done on that farm bill in prep for uh, presenting it to Congress and having it uh, eventually become the new farm bill. Uh, but where does that farm bill stand from your perspective? And maybe just before we jump into that, you know, a quick overview from your perspective of what the farm bill is and why it's important. Sure. So the farm bill, simply put, is the single largest piece of legislation that affects all of agriculture, as well as our supplemental nutrition assistance programs or SNAP. There is no other legislation that touches agriculture to the level and extent that the Farm Bill does. It is uh, negotiated and uh, passed every five years, uh, more or less, uh, usually more, uh, as we're experiencing this year. So that opportunity to influence that legislation comes around every five or so years. And it's only been the last two or three farm bills that Specialty Crops has really had a presence. Um, and this year, or this current farm bill that we're negotiating, what would have been the 2023 farm bill, but 
will likely be the 2024 Farm Bill when it's all said and done. I think you'll see more in this Farm Bill uh, for specialty crops than we have ever seen in the past. And that is in large part due to the work of this industry to come together in a unified fashion and advocate for what our, our growers and what our producers need. In addition to that, we're... Um, we're well positioned with Congress, with members of Congress and the administration to deliver for specialty crop producers. I think there's more interest than there ever has been in the past. We've got you know, members on the House and Senate Ag Committee that represent states that are you know, heavy into specialty crops versus in the past. You may have seen more representation from your you know, middle America row crop producing states. Well, and what are you seeing, you know, when you describe, you know, what more might be taking place in the farm bill for specialty crops? Are there things that stand out to you that are being introduced or included that are going to be new or unique for specialty crops in this next farm bill? I think the specialty crop industry is is really well positioned in this upcoming farm bill to to see some new programs potentially. I think the challenge, of course, will always be resource limitations. Congress has openly said that there's not a lot of new money available for this farm bill and any new program you'll have to um, will have to come along with some offsets in an existing program. I think at the end of the day, you will see Congress move on some new programs that will support the specialty crop industry. We're hearing a lot of positive momentum around uh, improvements to crop insurance for specialty crop producers. Um, That's an area that the NABC is actively engaging on, um, as well as mechanization and automation. The Farm Bill, of course, does not address labor supply issues. It does not address immigration reform. But what it does do is provide tools and resources to farmers that could potentially help them navigate through those labor supply challenges. And mechanization and automation is certainly an area that can help producers reduce their reliance on manual labor. And we're certainly seeing that in the blueberry industry with more mechanized harvesting, um, identifying varieties that can withstand mechanical harvesting and still and still sell into the fresh market. So all of that is is coming to a head and this farm bill is a great opportunity to support growers as they look to navigate through labor challenges. H2A program is increasingly cost prohibitive. Uh, you have a domestic labor force that's declining. The next generation is not coming in to do the work of their their parents and grandparents. So I think there's momentum in Congress to look at the labor challenge in agriculture and identify solutions that make sense within the context of the Farm Bill. Okay. Well, I think that's helpful. And I I think it would be helpful to just kind of understand, you'd mentioned earlier, uh, the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. And uh, I thought you could talk a little bit about that alliance, you know, maybe who makes up the alliance? What does it do? You know, what's the idea? What's the spirit behind this alliance? Yeah, um, absolutely. So the North American Blueberry Council is one of 300 or so commodity organizations that is a member of of this greater alliance that is entirely focused on advocating for policies in this upcoming farm bill. Um, I want to point out that the farm bill is predominantly, in, in terms of dollars spent, is predominantly for feeding and nutrition programs. A minority, a small minority of the total spending actually goes to ag programs. When you look at the farm bill as a whole, less than 8% of the funding goes to specialty crops. And that includes a little tiny portion that we get in that, in that SNAP world. Um, you know, the, the small programs that are involved in SNAP that go towards fruits and vegetables, only 8% goes to 
specialty crops. So we are very minor piece of the bigger picture. And knowing that, knowing that we um, as an industry, as in a sector are going toe to toe with uh, big agriculture, so to speak, again, those row crop commodities that have historically had a lot of power. Really, the only strength that this industry has is the collective strength. Blueberries does not have power individually that it does when it comes together with our colleagues and other commodity organizations. So in the last couple of farm bills, that especially Farm Bill Alliance has come together. But I will be honest with you, I've not seen that alliance come together as effectively as it has done this year. The alliance over two years time put together a 30 page document of recommendations for the farm bill. Never has this organization put so many recommendations in front of Congress. We have more marker bills, this farm bill than we have ever had for any other farm bills. And that's just a testament to the engagement by the organizations, including NABC, and a strong desire on the ground from our members to get things out of this farm bill. The specialty crop industry has, we're new to the farm bill relative to, to other commodities. And we've really identified some ways that this farm bill can help growers. It really comes down to helping growers on the ground um, stay in business. Well, I want to talk to you more about timing in the farm bill. Um, but before we do, I want to take a break for the crop report. So as the Peruvian season marches on, uh, really an unprecedented season there, uh, we also have fruit that's beginning to come in from Chile and Mexico. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Mario Ramirez in Mexico and Danielle Bustamante in Peru. This was recorded on November 23rd, 2023. Hi everyone, here Mario with the Mexican Blueberry Report for week 45 from November 6th to November 12th. This week, Mexico exported a total of 630,000 pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, and from this volume, 600,000 pounds were exported to the United States and the remaining 30,000 pounds to other destinations, mainly in Europe and Asia. 8% of the total volume was organic blueberries exported mainly to the United States. This week, the exportation volume growed 5% respecting previous week and is 50% lower comparing with the same week for previous season. This week, the frozen volume decreases too in 84% with only 14,400 pounds and it represents less than 1% of the total United States importations for frozen blueberries. That's all in my report. Thank you very much and see you next week. Hello, this is Daniel with a crop report from Peru until the end of week 46 that ran from November 13th to November 19th. Last week, Proarandanos adjusted Peru's export projections an additional 12% decrease versus their previous projection. As of this week, week 46, this season that started in week 18, Peru has shipped a total of 297 million pounds of fresh blueberries to the world. That is 41% less than the same period last season. The U.S. remains as the main destination for Peruvian blueberries, representing 52% of the total shipment so far, followed by Europe with 29%, China with 15%, and other markets accounting for the remaining 4%. Of the total volume shipped, 11% have been organic. During week 46, Peru shipped a total of 18.9 million pounds, continuing the downward trend with a drop of 10% compared to last week's volume, 
and 16% less than the volume shipped on the same week last year. The US market represented 63% of the shipped volume with 11.8 million pounds, which is 9% less than the volume shipped last week. This will be arriving to the US market towards the second week of December. The other markets where Peru shipped blueberries to this week were Europe with 26% of the volume, China with 9%, and other destinations with 3%. This has been the Peruvian Crop Report for week 46. Well, thank you so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insights center to learn more about what's happening in our blueberry industry. Okay, well, let's go back to today's conversation with Alyssa Halpy. Alyssa, we were just talking about the farm bill and you had mentioned at the top of the episode about the timeline that you saw. You, you said it's every five years on average and or supposed to be every five years, but this year it doesn't look like it's going to be completed. Talk to us about what, where you see this uh, farm bill going and, and where it stands today, where, where it's supposed to land by when. Yeah, so the farm bill rarely gets done on time. So I'll just put that out there. I don't think this is a huge surprise. The the four corners, we call them, which is the, the chair and ranking member of both the Senate and House Ag Committee, I think coming into this farm bill cycle, we're very hopeful to have the farm bill done on time, which would have been September 2023. Here we are in November, uh, nearing the end of the year, and we still do not have a farm bill uh, from either chambers. Uh, it's very likely that we will see an extension. The question is of how long will this extension be? So some of the farm bill programs have already expired. Um, others will expire at the end of this calendar year. And so we're somewhat in a limbo period where we've got this rolling expiration of farm bill programs and no extension um, at least yet. So Congress is also working on a continuing resolution for the budget. So it's it's very likely that we'll see the farm bill extended as part of the the continuing resolution for funding, continuing to fund the government. Again, how long will that extension be is, is a question mark. I'm hearing a lot of pontification that we'll see a year-long extension. So that would put us if they get that done in November, that would put us past the, the 2024 elections, which is, it provides certainty to a level, um, which is positive. But at the same time, now we're looking at negotiating a farm bill through a presidential election, which um, has its downsides, as you can imagine. I, I think um, the hope is that we'll see an extension. Maybe it is a year-long extension, but that Congress will still actively work to pass a new farm bill before the early spring, so around March, ahead of the presidential primaries. I think we really want to steer clear of a presidential election um, and avoid those politics that we can actually get you know, sound policy done. So, yeah, I think we're looking at a, an extension at some length of time, but there is momentum in getting something done Sooner rather than later, you'll probably see the House Ag Committee put a bill on the floor. The new Speaker of the House has indicated he would allow some floor time for that in December. But the Senate is not on that same timeline. So regardless of what the House does, the Senate needs to act too, and they're not going to do anything until the new year. So looking at a 2024 farm bill. And, and as you go forward with the North America Blueberry Council, you've got a Government Affairs Committee. Um, 
you know, how, how often does that committee meet and, and, you know, what, what is it that you guys prioritize? How do you know which issues or challenges or opportunities that you want to tackle as an organization? That's a really great question. Our committee uh, this year, I think, has been has seen a bit of a revitalization. The chair of that committee and the the chair of the NABC board has made it very clear that that committee uh, needs to be very engaged. So the committee at this time meets bi monthly. The committee is really where the priorities of the organization are, you know, originally vetted. That the members of that committee are representatives of of the industry, their growers. So in that space, we're working with our committee members to identify what issues the industry needs us to be working on and develop our strategy for the year for even longer term than that. Um, but it really starts at that committee level and feeds up to the NABC board. And and do you have a policy platform or, or what guides some of the decision tree process of, again, you know, which issues you're tackling or what, how, how does that work? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the NABC does have a policy platform. It's sort of our, our foundational document that outlines generally what our positions are on, on major topics affecting the, the industry. And so that uh, that document is refined on an annual basis. And we really re- do refer back to that um, continually throughout the year. It's, it's, like I said, foundational to the core values of the organization and the policies that we view, we with direction from from our membership through the Government Affairs Committee, the policies that we believe are the most important to this industry. So, you know, I know, Alyssa, you know, this being on the NABC side of things, just that, you know, you're representing citrus before, but blueberries today, especially crops are just a part of the overall big picture agriculture and, and blueberries in particular become just a piece of that small piece of all of agriculture. Um, what difference does any of this make from your perspective for, you know, efforts by an organization like NABC to put any sort of shoulder to the wheel from your perspective? I mean, truthfully, farmers are farming. They don't have time to be on Capitol Hill advocating for themselves. That is the job of an organization to really represent growers while they're out doing their job. We're in Washington, D.C., advocating on their behalf. And if nobody's doing that job, there's nobody looking out for the industry to make sure that you know the programs in place support the growers or the programs that we need are put into place. I think a great example is crop insurance. It's, again, something that NABC is, is taking an active role on now. The policies that are in place for blueberry producers are relative to other commodities, just not as great. And I think a reason for that is there's not been historically an organization at the table talking to USDA about the crop insurance needs for blueberry producers. Uh, And that's a role that NABC can take. And that's just one example. There are are many more, I'm sure. But again, absent an organization, an industry can just be left behind. As we wrap up here, Alyssa, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? We've covered a lot today. I'll just add that uh, the NABC is a unique uh, organization to the USHBC, and it's certainly in a position to do things that USHBC can't and shouldn't be doing. NABC can really get down to the granular grower level and uh, work on things that matter matter to growers. And that's what we're passionate about, and that's what we're hoping to do through government affairs. 
Well, this has been a, I think, a great overview and a good discussion of just understanding. And I hope people can appreciate, you know, the the separation of duties and responsibilities that we're talking about here, um, first and foremost. And then, of course, that, you know, there there is a farm bill that affects both organizations on on the USHBC side. I'll say that, you know, we're we're watching. For instance, the MAP program, you know, it's a very important part of the foreign ag service. And, you know, the farm bill is a big piece of that. It, it authorizes the ability for those export activities to take place. And so, you know, we may not be um, engaging in the process, um, but we depend on it. And so uh, there, there are those types of things that I think people are aware of that make this an important, relevant conversation for our audience here today. Uh, this has been great, uh, Alyssa, to have you on. Uh, you know, I hope people feel like they can reach out to you uh, when and if necessary to talk to you about what the North American Blueberry Council is doing in this area. And again, my hope is that, you know, by introducing, you know, you on this show, there's a good, clear understanding of the of the roles and responsibilities of both organizations, you know, here on the episode today and, and appreciate you joining me on the business of blueberries. It's been great. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's it for episode 157. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Mm-hmm.